Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Hague for short, a housing group for older people run by older people. Present Raise the Roof every fourth Wednesday of the month. We advocate for affordable, secure and appropriate housing. So listen up every fourth Wednesday from 6 to 6.30 on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. Uh, that's right, this is the Housing for the Aged Action Group show. My name's Shane. Um, this month I'm in the studio with a couple of HAG members, Marianne and Jane. Um, thanks very much for coming in. That's okay. It's that's a pleasure. okay. Good to see you. The, um, so we'll hear from them about their experiences of housing stress and homelessness uh, in just a minute, but we've got a few news items to, to, rush, to run through, not rush, to run through first. Um, a bit of good news. Uh, the state Liberal opposition has promised that if they're elected later this year, they're going to introduce an ombudsman for retirement housing. Um, that's a policy that HAG's been advocating for for a long time, along with uh, Consumer Action Law Centre and, and a lot of other groups. Uh, can't, can't say there's been too many times that HAG has had good things to say about the state Liberal Party, but... <laughs> Uh, this is a good one. Uh, and we're calling for the Labor Party to get on board with that. We, there is a need for better dispute resolution for older people in retirement housing. Um, they're talking in particular about things like retirement villages and residential parks and stuff like that. Um, but we'd like to see that broadened out even further. I mean, the most common form of, of housing or the, the, the fastest growing form of housing for older people, for retirees, is private rental. Um, and that's where a lot of disputes happen. But the Ombudsman is a good first step. Uh, the Age reported on Monday, sorry, Monday last week, that thousands of older Australians are being forced to choose between buying groceries, medication or paying rent, uh, experts say. Uh, possibly you didn't need experts to tell you that. You could have just talked to some older Australians, but there you go. Uh, at the last census, there were 18,625 homeless people aged over 55, but this is likely to be an underestimate given the difficulty of counting those with no fixed address. Meanwhile, the number of renters aged over 65 who are in housing stress, defined as paying more than 30% of their income on rent, has jumped by 42% in the past five years. And last year, more than 23,000 people aged over 55 turned to homelessness services for help, according to Council to Homeless Persons Chief Executive Jenny Smith. Um, just some shocking statistics there. Uh, and The Age also reported earlier this week that the Victorian Council of Social Services and Environment Victoria have renewed lobbying the state government to include a requirement to insulate homes in the raft of new rental laws that are scheduled to be put before Parliament before the end of the year. The groups on Monday are launching a petition signed by 15,000 Victorians calling for better rental energy efficiency. VCOS Chief Executive Emma King said it would help prevent low-income households becoming trapped in energy poverty. And they quote her as saying... What it means is poor quality housing is trapping people in energy poverty. If we see really huge power bills, that means people have to live a life of sacrifice and hardships and even ill health. They'd be much more able to pay their bill if their homes had things like insulation and modern heating. 
Uh, and I think what, of a lot, what a lot of us have learned is that our landlords don't really care if we have good insulation, good heating appliances, energy efficiency, things like that, because the bills don't impact them. Uh, Energy Victoria campaigner Anne Martinelli said, requiring rental homes to have basic measures like insulation is the single most effective action government could take to cut renters' cost of living, create thousands of good local jobs and cut climate pollution. So those reforms to the Residential Tenancies Act are due to come before Parliament sometime this year. Nobody seems to know exactly when. Uh, so if that's something that's concerning you, you might want to talk to your local member of parliament, keep up that pressure, remind them that the Andrews government has promised to make renting, make renting more fair uh, for all of us, uh, including getting rid of no reason notices to vacate and allowing renters to have pets. Uh, Hag thinks that renters are already allowed to have pets and try and stop us, but we'd like to see that more clearly enshrined mm -hmm. in law. So now's the time to talk to your local MP about that if it's something that concerns you. Uh, and now... Let's hear from some people, not some statistics, but some people with actual experiences of the things that we're talking about. Um, so, Marianne, do you want to tell us about uh, how you heard about HAG and how you came to, to get involved? Yes. Um, it's quite ironic, actually, because I worked in housing many, many years ago yeah. and I got the sack from my job in May last year and... I was on, and then when I went on New Start, the New Start was um, less than my rent. So I uh, obviously got into debt. I was evicted. Uh, I did not know what to do. My anxiety levels were high. My mental health issues were exacerbated. I couldn't afford to move. I couldn't afford to stay. But I do have a very dear, close friend who I love and um, absolutely adore mm -hmm. her she did some research because I was paralyzed I just I was like a frozen mental mess and uh, she put me onto hag mm -hmm. and then uh, I sent an email to hag and told them about my position and April from hag came down and interviewed me and then said that uh, she will place me and then rang me up within about two weeks and said, yes, we have a place. Uh, come down to Melbourne, because I was in Geelong, and uh, have a look. So before we even got out of the car of where the flat was <laughs> that I was living in, I knew straight away I was saying yes. <laughs> I mean, there was no doubt about it mm -hmm. because um, I did not like the feelings of... Uh, being homeless or the potential to be homeless. Mm -hmm. So the outcomes was that I was placed by HAG into social housing, mm -hmm. housing choices um, throughout Victoria and Tasmania, and that has been very good. And the support from HAG has been absolutely remarkable. And I'm really, really surprised that this still happens, <laughs> uh, you know. Many a time when I first moved here, I rang up April crying mm -hmm. uh, because I had no money, uh, I had no food, lots of issues. Plus, sometimes I rang up crying saying, I don't know if I've done the right thing, you know. However, I feel very lucky because I have a roof over my head and my gas and electricity are all paid for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you said before that one of the things you wanted to talk about was kind of the, the feelings of shame that went with homelessness. Oh, God, yes. Oh, my God. 
Um, my friend in Canberra again, the lovely Carol, is a master of social work and she put me on to TED and TED has lots of talks and there's one on shame by a woman. And anyway, what I've learnt is that there is uh, in our society today more individuals I think feel shame because we are told it is our fault mm-hmm. when in actual fact it's... Uh, government structures, I feel, that are more at fact. And also, the with shame, like, I didn't tell my family and I never would Mm -hmm. and I didn't seek their help help at any sort. Yeah, I think you you said that you didn't tell them that you'd lost your job. No, no, I didn't tell them anything. Mm. And then when I moved to North Carlton, I rang up one of my sisters and said, oh, yes, uh... I'm in North Carlton, everything's fine, da da. And they said, Oh, how come you moved? And I said, Oh, I just needed a change. They said, How much rent are you paying? And I said, 440 a week. And I mean, that was an out and out lie because I felt shame. Mm-hmm. And in our family, we do have shame. And I think in a lot of families, there's shame. Yeah. So, after a week and after watching the TED Talk on shame, I rang my sister up and said, well, actually, the truth is I was sacked. I was evicted on the verge of homelessness and was saved by hag. Yeah. And that was very difficult to do, but I think we should be more honest. It was very hard as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean... Uh, like you say, the the shame should be on the system that puts people in that position, whether it's, uh, you know, making people redundant, like whatever that is, new start, wait, you know, levels that are well below, so far below the poverty line, um, such a lack of affordable, much less public or social housing. And new start, is, look, everybody knows it's well below the poverty line. Mm. And I'm so grateful that I'm in social housing. I don't know how other people like Jane live and Jane has a different story to me. Yeah, well, let's hear from Jane. Uh, hi. Yes, uh, my story's different. Um, I was married and then I got separated and he stayed in the family home for abusive reasons or whatever. I did work for a while, quite a few years. Then due to poor health, I had to leave my job, which I'm still on the waiting list to get medical things happening. But in the meantime, once you leave work and you get like a small payout, Centrelink wants you to spend every cent Mm -hmm. before you actually get anything off them. So you don't have any savings Mm. whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So that's bad to start with. So that's okay. So with the rent, because I'm on New Start, and with my medical, you know, prescriptions and all that stuff, and it doesn't quite cover that much, as everyone knows. I live on like $130 a week. Mm. So a fortnight, sorry, a fortnight. Um, so at the moment, I ran into HAG accidental, accidentally. Mm-hmm. I did try um, going to the Savos and the Savos there from housing said, oh, well, you know, just go and move in with somebody. Mm-hmm. They weren't willing enough to help. And I did find, like, going through the internet, there were a few organisations that don't do anything for you. It's just all stuff on the internet. We need to go and see these people. It's, oh, no, we can't do nothing. You're, you know, I'm paying too much rent. And I'm thinking, well, if I'm paying such a high rent and you can't help me, then who are the people that are helping you? <laughs> and so I only found HAG accidentally and then 
um, April, of course, or Virtue Save Today. Everyone's going <laughs> to think that April's the only staff member. <laughs> I <in Hag>. know. <laughs> but Sandra from Hag put me through to April, uh-huh. and then I have that with April there, which all the staff members are very, very good. <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> They are, they are. You can get a copy there anytime you like it. Go and decide to the fat with them. They're really pretty it's good. <laughs> but at the moment, I'm still in um, private rental. Every fortnight, I'm just waiting to be evicted. Every fortnight comes and my nerves are just shattered. And um, that's the gist of it. So April's trying to help me find housing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just live and go to food banks as mm-hmm. much as I can, live off that, and um, just try and keep up with the gas and electricity, which um, Origin, actually, mm-hmm. they're, they're fantastic. Because they said to me, because um, I got a little bit behind in the electricity, that rather than put me in um, financial stress, they'll cut my power off. <laughs> and oh, I thought, oh, oh, that's very good of them. I thought, oh, yeah, I thought, oh, yeah. I said, yeah, I said so. I mean, what are you using your electricity for now? Nothing important. No, obviously not. And I said to the guy, are you serious? He goes, yeah, we don't want your electricity to get too high. So we'll just um, we'll cut it off and you won't have the financial stress. I'm not sure how that works out. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. Well, but yeah, so that's does. my story. <laughs> but also... I've lost my job. I mean, I do have friends and they know I've lost my job. They know I'm on New Start. But birthdays, Christmas and whatever comes up, you still got to keep up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any difference. They just, all of a sudden, everyone forgets. I'm thinking, oh, I can't go out for tea with you tonight because it's going to cost like $30 or something. Mm-hmm. So you've got to make up an excuse you're sick or you can't go or something, anything. But they still, people still expect you to keep up with what you were when you're working and yeah. you're able to. All right. So, what do you, what do both of you think needs to change? Like, what sort of what what should the government be doing about these things? First of all, in regards to the uh, Department of Housing and the redevelopment, mm-hmm. I cannot understand nor fathom why, with those redevelopments with private enterprise, that they are not housing all the residents. It's only a percentage. Mm-hmm. So that means. There's a bottleneck in Victoria or in Melbourne with all these new housing developments of people who are left homeless. Mm -hmm. So it's creating even more homelessness. So, of course, what I would like to see is obviously more public housing and much, much more social housing. But public housing, I mean, all I've got to say is this before I get too carried away. (laughs) My grandparents and my parents believed in certain things and they endured two wars and a depression. And with the idea of social security, for example, Mm -hmm. the idea is it covers what a normal person should need to live on. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't. Mm -hmm. They would be ashamed. So obviously... it's at the federal level and it's at the state level. And I'm sick and tired of being told by government that, uh, you know, well, maybe you shouldn't have bought that. Maybe you shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an infrastructure issue. Yeah. And what about, um, I was watching um, Channel 9 actually, honey, and I'm really irritated. <laughs> um, these women got on there and they were talking about um, New Start. Um, oh, they don't think that um, New Start should get a rise because um, you're only supposed to be on New Start for a while until you get on your feet. And I thought, yeah, well, thank you very much for that because you're just living in your own little world there. And I don't think that was right, having someone saying that, that 
we don't deserve to get a rise because we should, it's only just like until you get another job. Well, not everybody can go out and work at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, we know that uh, age discrimination in the in the private workforce is yes, a massive issue. And massive. You look at people, you know, over 55 on Newstart, you know, what, what are the jobs that are supposed to be out there for them? There's so many more unemployed people than there are jobs available. Yes. And then when you combine that with age discrimination, like, it's just crazy. I mean, the young ones that are... Well, most of the time there's young ones employing people now anyway, really. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, my job was highly stressful. You know, I was the manager. You know, I was like, you know, virtually work 38 hours a week plus. Like, it could be 60, 70 hours a week. And if you go in there and you're in for a job interview, and if they think you know more than them, well, they're not going to put you on anyway because, you know, yeah. they're worried about it. So, as far as, and plus, you've got to be able to afford to go around looking for all these jobs as well. If you don't have the money, you can't really look for them anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's what, like, even even quite right-wing business organisations are saying now New Start is so low that it's a barrier to getting people jobs. Yes. Well, that's how do you right. afford it? Do yeah. not even get on public transport, look for a job all the time. Yeah. I also have a dear friend and her and her, pa- and her partner have always been employed and have had nothing to do with Centrelink except in regards to family payments regarding mm-hmm. their son. Mm-hmm. So when I moved back to Melbourne, we were all very close. We went to high school together. Lilia could not believe what we, I was doing at Centrelink all the time. And ha, like she was with me when I would get messages saying that I've been suspended. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, she had no idea. And now... She can't get over it. She is really annoyed because she has seen it herself and saw it through my experience. So yeah. I think, again, with that shame thing, yeah, be upfront. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really true. People who don't have their own experience or, or someone who's close That's to right. them with that experience don't understand how incompetent Centrelink is. Yes. Like beyond incompetent, designed to work wrong, yes. like designed to, to make mistakes. Oh, and, and also with Centrelink. They don't give you any information no. unless mm-hmm. you specifically ask. Mm-hmm. You know what you're asking for. That's right. Yeah. So, yes. The, um, so if, if listeners are having problems with Centrelink, um, we you all might are. Want, yeah, probably a lot of you are. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can always get some advice from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union or from the Social Security Rights Network. Yes. Uh, we'll chuck up links to those organisations in the, in the show notes. Um, all right, I think we're, we're nearly done, but is there anything that either of you would like to say, you know, if people in similar situations to you are listening to the show now, what would you like to say to them or what, what advice would you have for them? Please seek help. Yeah. Ask your friends. <clears throat> tell your family. Um, and don't be ashamed. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, tell your family. Tell your friends. Sometimes you just want a, someone to listen to you anyway. Mm-hmm. Like I said, a lot of these organisations, you think, oh, yeah, wow, this one or St. Vincent's or Savas, yeah. But when it comes down to it, they've only got certain things that they do and they're not, well, I, I, they're not what I thought they were anyway. I mean, don't get me wrong, they do help people. But when someone said, oh, no, they couldn't help me because my rent was too high, I was shocked. I thought, oh, okay, fair enough then. All right. Well, thanks very much for coming in. We're going to hear a couple of community announcements. And if you do need to get some help, we'll give out the number that you can call HAG on at the end of the show. So you've got some time to get a pen and paper together or whatever you need. Um, thanks very much, Jane and Marianne. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for listening. Vote for your mic.
Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Well, it's not too late, and we still need your support. Donate now by calling 9419 8377 or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post us a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. Fight for your mind. Ruminations, 3CR's Rooming House and Homeless Persons Issues Program, featuring information on health and housing services, as well as live local guests, artists and performers from our unsung community. Join us at 12pm on Thursday on 3CR 855 AM. Welcome back. This is the Housing for the Aged Action Group show, Raise the Roof on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. My name's Shane. Um, if you were listening to the show last year, you might remember hearing an episode that Aoife recorded for us about the closure of the Wontona Caravan Park. That was just one of at least half a dozen uh, caravan or residential parks that closed over the last year or so um, around Victoria. And that can have devastating consequences for people who moved in there. Um, Often, you know, spending their life savings to purchase a caravan or a residential unit, um, expecting to be able to live there for the rest of their lives. When a, a place like that closes, it's not just that you have to relocate, but that your unit potentially can't be relocated. It can cost tens of thousands of dollars to relocate a movable unit, um, and that's if you can find somewhere else to put it. And there's not a whole lot of vacant spaces waiting for you to come and plonk a big mobile dwelling on. Um, so people lose a, a tremendous amount of money, often very close to their life savings, and can be exposed to a real risk of homelessness. Um, there's an exhibition coming up that's about that issue in particular, uh, the Wonturner Caravan Park closure itself, um, other, other park closures, and broader issues of housing and homelessness, especially for older people. Uh, the exhibition opening is coming up on Saturday the 11th of August from 3 to 4.30pm at the Bakery Gallery at the 1812 Theatre. That's at 3 Rose Street, Upper Ferntree Gully. Uh, and I hope I will see some of you there. It's an artist named Kim Munro uh, and some of the Wonturner residents will be there um, and I have no doubt they'll be telling us about their experiences. Um, if you'd like more information about the issues around housing and homelessness for older people, there's some publications that you might want to check out, some recent publications. Uh, Hag's own Jeff Fiedler, along with Brian Lippman from Winteringham, was involved in preparing a special issue of Parity, which is the Council to Homeless Persons, uh, Australia's national homelessness publication, a journal that I think comes out four times a year. Um, so that includes a lot of articles written by uh, Hag staff and members, or maybe just Hag staff, um, about a whole range of issues affecting older people, including uh, particularly how public housing redevelopments impact older people's health and well-being, um, housing-related challenges for older people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, um, independent living units, what the, the collapse of that system uh, or the slow decline of that system is probably what I should say is affecting older people, um, and a whole range of other information. If you want to know the up-to-the-minute information about the, the statistics, the research, the experience, uh, what it means to be an older homeless person in Australia, or an older person experiencing housing stress, uh, Parity is your go-to spot for that. Um, we've got some copies at the office if you want to drop by, and again, we'll give out some contacts for HAG later in the show. Uh, or you can go through the CHP website, and I'll pop, pop a link to that uh, up in the show notes on the 3CR website. 
The other publication that I would like to plug is uh, our own HAGS newsletter, The Older Tenant's Voice, uh, the June 2018 issue, which focuses in particular on women's homelessness. Uh, and it's got a range of articles, case studies, information about different uh, experiences of HAGS members and staff. Uh, and I wanted to read an article just briefly by our outreach worker, Anne Ma. Uh, she wrote that under the state government's current policy, there's been a reduction in public housing um, with the selling off of public lands to private developers with so many people on the public housing waiting list. This is having a great impact on the housing outcomes achieved by our service. As one of four outreach workers, I wish that I could have got Anne in here to read this to you because her voice is so much nicer than mine. As one of four outreach workers at the Home at Last service, I am very frustrated that I'm unable to secure housing for my clients. In the past, my clients on the highest priority, homeless with support, were rehoused within one to five months. I currently have a high number of clients on the highest priority who have been waiting over 12 months. Many of these people are sleeping in their motor vehicles, sheds, inadequate accommodation, or couch surfing. In addition, many of those clients are in poor health and living in substandard accommodation that makes their medical conditions even worse, and that can be physical or mental health conditions. My clients on the second highest priority, many of them living in unaffordable and unsuitable private rental properties, are under unbelievable housing stress with the blowout of the public housing waiting list. From January to June this year, I have personally only rehoused four clients, uh, a grandmother and her granddaughter into a social housing property, and two clients into public housing. My outreach colleague Darwin reports that between January and June this year, he's rehoused seven clients, where in the past he would have rehoused double that number. Darwin said it is very hard to explain to clients why they have a long waiting time. Uh, and in particular, sorry, I'm, I'm editorialising now, that was the end of Anne's article. Uh, in particular, we've seen this in connection with the public housing uh, redevelopments, that transfers are now a higher priority than homelessness. So if you're a public housing tenant who they need to relocate, the better to facilitate their plans to hand off some of that land to private interests, then you're going to get the priority over someone who's, you know, an older person who's sleeping in the car, on the street, whatever it is. Uh, and that just seems like a, a bad system, an unjust system. But the reason I wanted to read, well, part of the reason I wanted to read that article to you is because I'd like to take this opportunity to farewell Anne Ma, uh, who's been a great colleague to me in my time at HAG. She's been there as an outreach worker for six years now, uh, and she's moving on to bigger and better things. Uh, her just smiling face around the office, her presence has always been a real uh, comfort to me in times of stress. I found her a, a, a wonderful person to work with and just extremely dedicated to her clients uh, and to, to older people's housing issues in general. So she will very much be missed. Uh, now, if you do want to get in touch with Housing for the Aged Action Group, whether that's because you want to come in and pick up an issue of parody, uh, want to pick up an issue of our newsletter, um, you want to get involved in some of our political activities like the uh, Retirement Housing Working Group, uh, or you need assistance with your own housing situation, um, whether that's because you live in a retirement village where the manager is harassing and bullying you, uh, which seems to be most retirement villages as far as I can tell, um, or whether you're living in private rental and you're trying to make ends meet with, with New Start, which obviously is flat out impossible, um, we would love to hear from you and see if there's a way that we can work out a way to help you. So our phone number, uh, I hope you've got a pen ready, it is 96547389. Again, that's 96547389. Uh, or you can drop in to see us. Uh, we're on the first floor at Ross House, which is 247 Flinders Lane, Melbourne, 3000. Uh, we'll have a general meeting coming up pretty soon, and hopefully we'll be bringing you some useful information at that meeting. So it's a great time to get involved uh, if you're interested in the kinds of issues that we've been talking about. Uh, hope to see some of you at the 
uh, Am I at Home exhibition opening on the 11th of August in Upper Trefantry Gully. I hope to see some of you at some of the public housing rallies that will be coming up as well, uh, which you can learn more about uh, on our website or often through the City Limits show here on 3CR. And I think that's all that I've got time for this month. So we'll be back next month with some more older person's housing news and information, interviews, who knows what it'll be. Uh, And right now, following on from last month's theme, we're going to hear another landlord-themed song. This is Joan Baez and a cover of Bob Dylan's song, Dear Landlord. Enjoy. Enjoy. 